Amen. We're submerged in God's Word. What a great place to be. Good job, guys. Thanks for your leadership. And it's going to be an exciting week with our children in Vacation Bible School. If you know of any kids that uh, don't have plans for the week, that have not already registered, please have them come this mor the, tomorrow morning. 8.30, we'll be cranking up, and it'll be a wonderful week uh, together with all of the, the children. We have uh, well over 300 registered, uh, many who are not part of our church family and unchurched kids, so we want to be praying this week, too, that uh, children would come to know Christ as the Lord and Savior. Uh, we've got lots of folks here tonight that are making final preparations for tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be a great day, and I appreciate you being here to be into the teaching of God's Word. And I uh, uh, want to say Happy Father's Day to all of you dads, and Happy Future Father's Day to all of you young men that will one day be fathers, because I want to address you tonight uh, as well. Uh, from the Word of God and just uh, challenge us as we think about uh, fatherhood. And it's a privilege for me to be here sharing with you from God's Word tonight. Pastor David asked me last Sunday if I would uh, share this evening on Father's Day, and it's certainly my privilege, my honor to do so. Uh, I love being a dad. It's probably my favorite part of life and uh, certainly been a blessing to me. Uh, Janet and I have five kids, as most of you know. Uh, they're grown. They're uh, out, most of them raising families of their own at this point. Uh, we have six grandsons, and we have grandkids number seven, eight, and nine on the way in the next seven months. Um, we know number seven is another boy, so we're going to have at least seven grandsons. Uh, we don't know if it's going to be a full baseball team or uh, whether God's going to give us some girls uh, toward the first of the year, but it is wonderful, a uh, blessing to both be a dad and a granddad. And as I was uh, pondering this evening... Uh, and what I might share with you on Father's Day, I thought I would include my five kids uh, who all love Jesus and walk with the Lord. So I sent them a group text earlier this week, and I asked them if they would share with me uh, three or four traits that they felt were uh, essential for being a godly dad, whether I had exhibited them well or not. Well, within about one minute of my sending that group text, I received a picture back from my oldest son, and it was of a very large, hairy man, shirtless, uh, walking on the beach and uh, wearing a very large gold cross and had a big gold chain around his neck. And the caption read, uh, I'd say gold chains are a must for great dads. Well, obviously he was joking, and uh, I tell you that story, and I spared you the picture, um, putting it up there for you to see, uh, especially the young minds here wouldn't want you to see that. But at any rate, um, the reason I'm sharing that with you tonight is that it has something to do with uh, the fact that uh, dad, as the father, setting the tone uh, in your home, you have the opportunity to set an atmosphere of fun and a, a way that uh, kids can respond. And, and David's response uh, illustrates that um, as a dad, I made some family times fun. And we set the tone in our family that joking is okay. And it's a way for all of us to laugh with each other and laugh at ourselves. But I also received uh, meaningful responses both from that son and all the rest of my kids as well and much of what I'm going to share with you this evening uh, stems from what they told me uh, what meant the most to them uh, as, as a, a godly dad uh, I got some other responses uh, that included um, my instigating a super soaker battle inside the house uh, that took place when Janet was out of town if my memory serves me correctly <laughs> And uh, another one remembered the Christmas Eve surprise Nerf gun battle that we had that went on for about uh, two hours of constant laughter. And I just wanted us to think about the fact that as we look at Scripture and uh, what is involved in being a godly dad, it, it needs to be fun as well. 
Uh, Philippians 4.4 tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. So let's realize and thank God that it is a blessing both to be a father, it is a privilege to be a father as well. Psalm 127, 3 to 5 says this, Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So right from the start, God tells us that to be a father is in fact a blessing. In fact, to be a father of many children is a great blessing. Having a quiver full of them is the goal. So you might ask, how many is a quiver? Well, I don't know exactly. I think it probably varies by family. Uh, but I do know that according to Genesis 1:28, the Lord blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And he said again in Genesis 9:1 to Noah and his sons, he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Then he said again to the nation of Israel, Genesis 35:11, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you and kings shall come from your own body. Then in Psalm 128, 2 to 4, he says this, You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be the olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So God's promised uh, that a man who has many children will not be put to shame. One of my most amazing friends is a man named Bill Mutz. He lives in Lakeland. And uh, though he is a successful businessman, he's an accomplished civic leader, he's an inspirational speaker, he's a conference leader, uh, but the most unique thing about him is that he has 12 children. And they're an amazing family. And uh, anybody who uh, meets Bill Mutz, the first thing that they're astonished and amazed at is this man has 12 children. And he hasn't gone crazy. He actually uh, has his act together. But uh, Bill Mutz is someone who will never be put to shame. He's a godly man. He leads his family well. And God has blessed those who are, who are brave and, and, uh, and have many children. In spite of the mandate, though, from Scripture that we find to have a quiver full of children, most Christian parents today reserve the right to themselves to decide how many children they'll have rather than trusting God. They'll pray about most any other major decision in their life, but some of them fail to pray and trust God with that decision. You see, our American culture has redefined success. It's defined it in terms of houses and cars, prestigious careers, 401Ks, when God, in fact, says that children are an heritage to the Lord. Did you know that Muslim families worldwide, in fact, Pastor David kind of referenced this this morning, they're having an average of 12 children per couple. Uh, where Christian families worldwide are averaging 2.1 children per couple, and here in the civilized Western nations, we're averaging 1.6 children per couple. So at the current rates, the Muslim population worldwide, apart from conversion either way, uh, the Muslim population will exceed the Christian population in about 30 years if nothing else is done. So God says children are an heritage to the Lord, and blessed is the man who has a quiver full of them. Uh, second, we see in Scripture the fact that the father is to bless his children and to be a blessing to them. Uh, this is first modeled in the Old Testament by the patriarchs and some of the other Old Testament fathers who literally laid hands on their children's head 
and prayed and anointed them and pronounced a blessing on them. This was modeled, for example, by Jacob and his 12 sons in Genesis 39, where it says, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together. May I tell you what shall happen in the days to come. The rest of the chapter is him pronouncing an, a, a blessing on them at the end of his life, coming to the end of his life. But beyond that type of pronouncement of a blessing as a one-time event in a child's life, let's look together rather at the biblical role model of being a lifelong blessing to our children. I believe that uh, the Word tells us that first, the godly father is to be a monument of unconditional love. If you've got the notes this evening and you're filling in the blanks, those are the important ones. Monument of unconditional love. Why a monument? Because a monument is something that doesn't move, even when the wind blows. When circumstances change or crisis comes, it's an absolute constant. And men, that's what our unconditional love is to be for our children, a monument of unconditional love. Uh, it's the greatest gift you can give to your child. Your child can hold on to the fact that your unconditional love is with them through all of their challenges in life, any assaults on their self-esteem, their personhood, their character, their achievement. The Father's unconditional love stems not from their achievement, but from who and whose they are. They're loved simply because they're their Father's child. So let's be careful, men, not to focus our celebrations on a child's achievement rather than celebrating, in fact, who the child is. They are your child. They are loved by you. They are a blessing from God. God the Father is our example in Psalm 37, excuse me, 36, 7. He says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! Your, uh, the children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And then John 3, 16, we know, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So our love is to be, uh, our fathers were to be a monument of unconditional love. And next, the father models the relationship God wants to have with each of his children. He models it through an appropriate fear of God. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Psalm 25, uh, 12, in the Amplified Bible says it this way. Who is the man who fears the Lord with awe-inspired reverence and worships him with submissive wonder? He will teach him through his word in the way he should choose. Other great references are listed there for you on the notes. Proverbs 28, 14, Psalm 112.1. I won't read those for you now, but I encourage you to look them up. Some great passages on just fearing the Lord and having great reverence for him. A godly father models his reverence, his reverent fear of God through his commitment to his daily quiet time, through his faithful worship, his respect for God's word, and his reverence for the Lord's day and for those things which God himself reveres. He also models it through trust. Blessed is the father who trusts in the Lord. The Amplified Bible again says this in Psalm 84, 12. It says, O Lord of hosts, how blessed and greatly favored is the man who trusts in you, believing in you, relying on you, and committing himself to you with confident hope 
and expectation. There's other scriptures there uh, that talk about the Lord's trust. Jeremiah 17, 7, Psalm 34, 8, 40, verse 4, and 84, 12. I encourage you to read those. A godly father models his trust in the Lord by demonstrating always a thankful heart in all things, by accepting that his ways, God's ways, are always best, and by acknowledging that God is always working for his good and for our good and for his glory. He also models it through obedience. Blessed is the father who obeys the Lord. Psalm 119 says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. Other passages are listed there for you as well. Father, blessed is the father who obeys the Lord. A godly father models obedience to the Lord through his faithful stewardship, his keeping of the Lord's commandments, through his loving others as Christ demonstrated it for us. In fact, the father is instructed to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Nothing gives a child greater security than to see his father love his mother that way. A godly father models integrity, biblical discipline, and patience. A godly father models grace and forgiveness and a love for God's word. A godly father makes himself accountable to his wife, his family, and to others. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And a godly father avoids yielding to the temptation of the enemy. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We see also in Scripture that most often, when the father gets right with God, the entire household winds up being saved. We can see two examples of this in Acts 16 uh, with Lydia and with the Philippian jailer. So it's a blessing to the entire household when the father comes to know God. A godly father next molds his children's character. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, Ephesians 6.4. Also, Proverbs 22, 6 says, To train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And Proverbs 13, 24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. So the godly father does many things. One is he clearly communicates expectations to his children before they encounter new uh, environments so that they can live up to the expectations rather than merely being corrected when they fail to live up to expectations. My wife Janet was exceptionally good at this when our children were small and taught me how to do that as we would be riding in the car on our way to church or to the store or to a person's house. She would be coaching the children on exactly what to expect when they arrived there. They were to meet somebody new, that they were to look them in the eye, they were to smile, they weren't allowed to put their heads down. They were to speak and they were to say glad to meet you or whatever was age appropriate for each child. But before they encountered each situation, they knew what the expectation was. Therefore, they, didn't, uh, they were able to rise to the expectation instead of being scolded when in fact they misbehaved. So when misbehavior comes, a godly father asks, what did you do? Rather than, why did you do that? 
just as our Heavenly Father knows the answer to both of those questions, so a godly father already knows the why. Because the Word tells us in Proverbs 22.15 and other passages that wickedness is bound up in the heart of a child. So that child of yours is a born sinner. Just like you. Just like me. We're all born sinners. So we don't need to ask why. But in fact, uh, we already know the why of misbehavior. And that's that we have a propensity to sin. So asking our child to come up with the why, an explanation, why did they do such a thing? What were they thinking? Uh, it simply encourages them to look for a reason to justify their sin. They think if I can come up with a good enough reason why I did that, maybe I won't get in as much trouble, or maybe I won't get in any trouble at all. Uh, isn't that what Satan wants each one of us to believe? But the biblical example is to ask, what did you do? Patiently work with your child until they can verbalize to you their sinful behavior. You've, not, um, uh, you've now just taught your child how to confess their sin rather than how to justify their sin. God established this model in Genesis chapter 3, verse 11, when he asked Adam what he had done rather than why he had done it when he took the fruit from the tree and bit into it. So he asked him what he had done. He taught him to confess rather than to justify. So <clears throat> godly father asks what rather than why. Another trait of a godly father is that he admits his own failures, not pretending to be without fault. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. As it is working, it has great power. So we're not to be pretending with our children that we are without fault as parents. All of us make mistakes, parenting mistakes as well as other mistakes. We're to be as transparent with them as God would allow so that they see we are also on a journey of maturing in the Lord, a journey of being a disciple, of learning how to yield to the Holy Spirit's control in our life. Our children watch our struggle and they learn from our struggle and how we are authentically walking with the Lord. A godly father molds his child's character by intentionally seizing every teachable moment. We see this in Deuteronomy 6, 7. It says... <clears throat> It says that uh, we're to, to teach our children uh, as we walk, as we sit down, as we lie down, as we get up to sit at the table, uh, that the, we're to teach them diligently as we talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So seize every teachable moment. So first, we're to be God, guys, we're to be a monument of unconditional love. Where to uh, the godly father models a right relationship with God. The godly father molds his child character. And next, the godly father motivates his children. Dad, you're a dream builder. The one who will get excited with your child about every aspiration they have, affirming their lofty dreams for the future, or who they want to become, or what they want to accomplish, or where they want to go. Not because they have special talents or intellect, but because they're your child and their father believes in them for who they are and for nothing else. Few things are more important to a child than to know that their father believes in them. My daughter was very excited to call me and to tell me that this was her favorite thing about me, was that I was the one she could call 
and share any crazy idea with and that I'd be encouraging to her and uh, not tell her she was crazy, but uh, help her to, uh, to dream big dreams and accomplish whatever God wanted her to accomplish. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's one of the primary roles of the godly dad. Job 5.17 says, Behold, how happy and fortunate is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise or reject the discipline of the Almighty. Dad, you also bring the fun factor to family time. The dad sets the tone for the family time. Uh, will it be happy or contentious? Will it be fun or challenging? Will family time be longed for or will it be dreaded? My children now live uh, with their families in three different states, but they actually spend much of their conversation time on the telephone uh, planning and looking forward to the next time that we can all get together. Dads, you make family times fun. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding and insight. A few years back, there was a TV commercial that aired showing a variety of family vacation scenes, uh, restaurant scenes, other buying and spending opportunities. And in each case, Dad stepped forward, he whipped out his MasterCard, and he paid the check. And the caption said, I'm the dad, it's my job. Well, the good news for us dads here tonight is that creating happy times and setting happy tone for your family times doesn't necessarily have to cost you money, but it is your job. So let's step up to the plate and set a happy tone. And lastly, a godly father mentors his children for the generations that follow. Dad, you are the legacy builder. Proverbs 17.6 says, Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Genesis 18.19 says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. Being a godly dad doesn't end once your last child gets saved or once your last child moves out of the house or once your last child gets married or becomes a parent. Uh, it's important. The grandparent role is equally as important and often more challenging due to the limited time that you have together with family. Numbers 14, 18 says this, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. The impact of being either a godly or an ungodly father and grandfather extend to the third and fourth generations past our time, guys. Psalm 103:17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto his children's children. Proverbs 13:22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance for his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. God is good, and he desires to bless and empower us dads and granddads to do the right thing. Psalm 34:8 says this, O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed, fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God is the man who takes refuge in him. So guys, all of you guys, my challenge for us tonight is that we never retire from being a godly influence for the generations that come. 
whether you're here tonight and you're 16 or you're 46 or 66 or 86. Uh, I want to invite the guys, just the guys, to stand with me. And I'm going to pray for us that we'll have a commitment to be used of God to influence the generations that follow. So guys, if you'll join me, let's stand. Let's pray.